Okay, I am going to call my good buddy, Simon. Let's see if this works. Hmm, I don't think you can hear these jazzy beats, but I love this guy, Bringtone. Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Loud and bloody clear, my friend. Okay, let me get uh, let me get headphones. Actually, cool. Yeah. Um, I don't see you're not on video. Oh, let me change that. I'd love to get a visual on you. I- I'm away from the computer now, though. Yep, well aware of that, because you turn the the video on. Can you see me? Uh, I can see your hand. This is all, by the way, I'm recording right now into the podcast, so... Oh, great. Terrific. Which I think would be an appropriate time to welcome people back to another episode of... Maybe... Maybe. Next Next time. time. Uh, I am your host, William Bluer, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, you're looking smoother than a salary cap. (laughs) <laughs> while the um, while the coronavirus spike may not have flattened, the amount of money NBA teams can spend on its players certainly has. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing today, Simon? What do you got there? Oh, thanks for asking, uh, William. I have. A Pilsner from Three's Brewing Company. Oh, my God. Fanciness incarnate. I didn't think you went for those sorts of things. Well, my sister very nicely bought them for me for my birthday. So she actually ordered them yesterday, and like two hours later, they delivered them. Oh, awesome. Uh, Pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't had a non, like, you know... Budweiser level beer in a while. Uh huh. Um, you're more, more of a, a hard seltzer guy at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we are here, folks, as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation. And since that could probably be filled in no more than maybe a minute and a half of conversation. <laughs> We might bring in some other things this week um, beyond Nets Nation, but not we're not we're not going to go too far off the rails. We will have as our anchor, as our core, the Nets in some yes. in some manner and fashion. Um, we have a fun themed segment coming up on relating the Nets to the bailout, and also a sub segment on that where we each take a net on a date with the 1200 fat dollar bills we're all going to well some of us are maybe going to be getting sometime in the future yeah if you're making more than 75k go away yeah um but it's it should be a comfort to know that now no one in the United States needs to worry about money for the next three months because we all have that fat, fat check coming our way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, anyway, we're squandering ours on a, fan, a fantasy date with Annette, which you will hear all about at some point later in the show. But first, we have to get to a number of other things, including news around the league. I want to get to this right off the top because Simon has been politely pestering me <laughs> to bring this issue up for the last two weeks. Um, it's going to be called... It's a new segment, and it's called, if you haven't heard uh, this tidbit of news, then the coronavirus has already taken you. Um, (laughs) Simon, what is it that you are so goddamn desperate to discuss on this Uh, podcast? Yes, it is uh, Kevin Durant, in case you haven't heard, and as William said, uh, if you haven't, you might be dead. uh, Kevin Durant has coronavirus or had it had at um, this point, unclear. probably had it's probably literally had, weeks though, old. William, let me just say though, other players, uh, have been like, uh, what's his name for the jazz? Rudy Gobert. It, it's come out. Uh, Rudy Gobert Donovan and Mitchell. sorry, Jonathan Mitchell. It's, it's come out. They've, they've, they've. There's been media reports that they're, like, cleared and fine. I have not seen that from from Kevin Durant. Now, presumably he is. I agree. Um, But still, it's got me a a little worried, William. Uh, Especially because we need that guy working hard if he's going to get out there in June. Uh, (laughs) Right, for the playoffs. Yeah, for the for the playoffs, yes. All right. Was there any other angle you wanted to address on that one or – um, well, who do you, you want to wildly speculate on who the other three nets were that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. That, that sounds, that sounds, um, irresponsibly on brand for this show. So, uh, or ir- on brand for how irresponsible that would be. Uh, yeah, sure. Who, who's your first pick? You, we can, we'll do it like a draft. You get first pick. <laughs> No, honestly, that might be a little too inappropriate, even even for me. I know people are triggered right now with with that. Yeah, sort of... I mean, I yeah, I, I I do appreciate a podcast that manages to not even reference the coronavirus a single time. So right. we've already broken that. Um, but that was news people could use, right? So I mean, we had to get it, we had to get it out there. I mean, it was national news in a time when there, as you've said, there's there's not much other news. So yes, hopefully Kevin Durant is on the mend. A little suspicious. Nothing's been said yet. Hopefully, he's returning his reco- uh, he is returned to his recovery. Uh, well, let's then mention our other superstar, uh, Kyrie Irving. <clears throat> you sent an article. I didn't read the article. I read the headline. He donated money and food uh, yes. to various places in the city. And you, you, you wanted to discuss. Yes. So he um, posted. On his Instagram, on the day of his birthday, that he was going to be donating um, 300-some thousand dollars to various food relief. One thing I wanted to mention right off the top, um, to pat myself on the back here, you'll remember, uh, William, and loyal listeners will also, that I speculated. Take down of City Harvest? Yes. (laughs) Guess where? Guess what one of the entities through which Kyrie is funneling his money through city harvest, city harvest, Ooh. city harvest, um, called it, nailed it. Uh, also, um, 
I feel like again, I just want to be clear, very good to be donating food uh anytime. Um uh, you know, and, and right now is is a great time to no. do that. So I'm not trying to belittle that. I do sort of think that um, a extremely conspicuous post on your Instagram is even one step further on the like very public act of charity uh, ladder, where usually you you funnel that through a media outlet. So it's a TMZ with Alan Crabb and his donation, or the Daily News, or somewhere. Um, but in this case, so that it looks like, oh, hey, oh, didn't see you there, Daily News. I was just making this donation privately because I did it out of the goodness of my own heart and not for good publicity uh, as I'm being tabbed with the reason why uh, a beloved coach was run out of town. Uh, but uh, <laughs> didn't see you there. I'll just do this interview. I don't know how you found out about that, but yeah, I'll talk to you about it. Usually that's how it's done. In this case, it was just Kyrie saying, hey. I'm doing it. Right. I did it. And then he followed it up another day with a $200,000 donation to Beyond Meat, which is a um, sponsor of – which he's an investor in. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which, again, is good uh, to donate meat to. But I sort of – it made me think of – I just finished uh, Silicon Valley recently. And you know the the, like super obnoxious billionaire guy who has – Gavin? Res Camus, no, the like the guy who they get to invest in. He's not oh, there yeah, like yeah, yeah, for yeah. Genemy, uh-huh. but he has like the uh, Tres Comas uh, <laughs> tequila, uh, tequila. <laughs> yes. Yeah, to me that's sort of like a Kyrie Irving, like a like here here's the food that um, I invest in, and here's a free plug for me. Right. Um, anyway, that those are my those. So are my you think points. it's sort of a self-serving philanthropic gesture there? I think it is. Yes, I think it is very Kyrie, and not that Kyrie is the only one doing, um, you know, uh, altruism via that that uh, that builds your brand um, by any means. But um, just wanted to mention that. Well, to stay on Kyrie for a moment, I was going to do a new segment. This week, I've got a bunch of new segments for us, Simon. Okay. I hope but, they're all as uh, as uh, elegantly titled as the – what was it? <laughs> if you <laughs> haven't heard about this, then the coronavirus – yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> th- that was an inappropriate title for a segment. Um, there's no denying that. Uh, this new segment is called, <laughs> rivetingly, Something I Noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to do with our our beloved um point point god Kyrie Irving. Uh-huh. So, the NBA Instagram account put up a happy birthday to Kyrie and said in honor of his birthday, here are Ky- Kyrie Irving's five best crossovers ever. Right. Okay. And it was video clips of his five best crossovers since he's been in the league. Um, All quite good. (coughs) But the something I noticed, Simon, was that all five occurred when he was wearing either a Cleveland Cavaliers or a Boston Celtics jersey. Mm. But small sample size. There are only five. You know, he's only played 20 games with the Nets understandable why he might not have the best crossover in in you know a crossover with the nets in that top five but then simon i noticed something else 
Okay. Have I told you the, about this? It's time for another segment. Something I noticed else something else. I noticed. Additionally, yeah. I noticed the following. Uh-huh. <laughs> um so apparently people reacted very positively to this because then the NBA went further and they said, um, like, due to the popularity of the first post, here are Kyrie's best crossovers against every team in the NBA. So it shows him and the best crossover he has ever pulled off against all 30 other teams in the NBA. Okay. Not one of those crossovers was him while he was a net. So all of them, once again, were him as either a Celtic or a Cleveland Cavalier. Mm. Now, Simon, my question for you, is the NBA trolling the Nets fans right now? <laughs> um, I think Kyrie is trolling Nets fans. Uh, Do you think and- it was a demand of his? Yeah, he's he's already washed his hands of us. But I will say that reminds me, William, that uh, if folks uh, did want to get their Kyrie as a net fill, uh, I saw that um, Yes was doing a uh, a the two games that Kyrie scored. They're replaying the two games yes, that Kyrie scored yes. fifty points. Like that is just too soon, and also. Anyone watching that is at best melancholic. First of all, we lost one of those games, but the second thing is like you—you you cannot watch those and be like, "Yeah, well, one, the season's totally uh, up in the air, but two, he only played twenty games. He's uh, widely reported to have uh, destroyed our our coach and our culture." Um, and him scoring 50 points in a losing effort against the Timberwolves is not going to be like a, like, God, remember when? Yeah, that was a month ago. Uh, (laughs) and I already have all the feelings I have right now about this current era from which these two games come from. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah, I know it's rough now, but remember the glory days three months ago? (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. That honeymoon period was glorious. Uh, so, interestingly, the the Dunked On Pod is doing position by position best players uh, by position. They're uh-huh. doing a podcast for each one. They I've just started the the point guard one, and I think on Nate Duncan's Kyrie comes in eighth. Eighth best point guard in the NBA right now. Um, and a lot of it was just because they're talking about, like, who do you want next season and then into the playoffs? So, like, you have to think both regular season and playoffs. And Nate Duncan made the point that, of course, we have um, talked about at length. Um, but the injury risk that Kyrie Irving is pointing out that of the last six seasons that Kyrie Irving has been in the league, three of those six, he has suffered a, a season-ending injury. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that 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 played no small part in him getting ranked behind players like uh, the 35 year old Chris Paul, uh, the 20 year old Trey Young, um, Kimba Kimba Walker. Well, sure. I mean, that that to me is a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. But the other ones that hurts. I mean, I understand their rationale, but it still hurts. Well, this will this actually sort of conveniently brings us to a, a another new segment of mine, Simon. Uh-huh. It's called 
best podcast you've listened to last week? This could be a sports podcast, a political podcast, uh, any of the podcasts you've... I know you're a big consumer of the medium. Um, so I'll go first with my my best podcast of last week, and then you can have a minute to think about it. Okay. Is that fair? Yes. Uh, so I would say the best one... I So... As we've talked about a little off uh, offline, um, I have mostly been listening to escapist type podcasts, um, mm-hmm. basketball podcasts. I I do a couple political ones each week just so that I feel not completely disengaged and shut off and like I'm trying to hole up and and pretend the world doesn't exist. But um, one that I found, a, a podcast that I just mentioned that I found quite um, quite good listening during this time of, of uh, self-quarantine is the Dunked On podcast because it deals in pure basketball abstraction. <laughs> These guys yeah. essentially just uh, talk about pretty hard-nosed analytic view of basketball um which a lot of the times annoys me and oftentimes is not not they don't put forward opinions that i necessarily agree with but i've just found it sort of a nice thing to have on in the background i can sort of ignore it and when i want to focus in on it it's been all right so i would say my best one of last week was their dunked on podcast of the top nba centers Mm. Um, so they did about the top 50 or so in the league. Jared Allen makes an appearance. I mentioned this to you in the high teens, early twenties. Um, mm-hmm. so they're not, you know, one of the, uh, at least a, a starting level center in the league. Um, Deandre Jordan, however, and this is partially why this podcast launched to number one for me of best thing I listened to last (laughs) week. Deandre Jordan, our beloved center, who is now our starting center over budding star Jared Allen, um, didn't even make it onto their list of the top 50 Mm -hmm. or so centers in the NBA. Um, I know that they are not the end-all, be-all of who is and is not good in the NBA, but I think it's telling that two people who spend their lives looking at NBA numbers and players can't even find a spot in the top 50 centers in the NBA to mention DeAndre Jordan, a guy that we have for four more years at $10 million a year, who is now de facto the starter because his friends demand that he, he starts on this team. Yeah, I can see why that was comforting to you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm ha- I still a, like a to painful <laughs> reminder. Of... I still like to be triggered and angry. I just <laughs> would like it to be about something trivial, like right. who starts on the Nets, not like God. I love this podcast. <laughs> Reminds me of everything I hate about the Nets. <laughs> but it's so nice to be depressed about the Nets and not depressed about like the future of humanity right, as we know right. it. Sure. So along those lines. Um, if, if you don't um, laugh, you'll cry, William. And that's why <laughs> my answer to this question is um, probably the latest um, useful idiots. Um, yeah. When they're ta- have you listened to that? Uh, no, the last I just listened to the Chomsky one. I haven't listened to the most recent one. Okay, so in the most recent one, there's a section where they play a, a few of um, Biden's <laughs> most recent, like, times where Matt Taibbi describes them as his check-please moments, where he just stops. Like, 
and he's like, clearly his people have said, Joe, when you're talking and you realize you don't know what you're saying, just stop. Right. right. So, I heard I heard a clip on um, on Intercepted where he where they're like, wait, do you want to explain that? And he's like, oh, I'd better not. No, I'd better not. <laughs> I'd, I'd better not. <laughs> and they point out that the, he does it. He's actually fairly skilled in that clip at making it sound like he was just about to say something so, like, nasty or so, like, whatever, but he's going to pull back. Right. Like, but he, he didn't. It's, you know, I think it's clear to, to longtime Biden watchers that it's because he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> um, and so that was... <laughs> That was that was very funny to me. Oh, um, it's so bleak. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to listening to that one. That is one of the that and intercepted, and then I, I listened to the um, first part of the Doug Hinwood one about the sort of economic implications of what's going on right now, which I I found terrifying, um, but worth listening to. Yeah. Um, all right, Simon, you wanted to talk, and I, I have a few other um, new segments, but I'm going to just sort of sprinkle them throughout the the show. We have we do have to talk a little basketball here and there. Sure. Uh, a new article comes out about Karis Levert being good. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a lot of these over the years, as. Uh, as 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 Nets fans, we have a certain obligation to every three months or so convince ourselves that Karis Levert is on the brink of becoming a superstar. Um, <laughs> there were times when that uh, we were at all time lows on Karis Levert this season, I think. Um, and we are back on an upswing. He was he was trending up just before the season got called off, and that is exactly what Nets delusionals need to convince themselves that this guy, we don't need to go big fish, big game hunting this off season. Cause we've got our third star in house, Karis Levert, Simon, break it down for us. Why is Karis Levert the third star on the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> a, <laughs> None of my biases came across in that objective was, introduction, did that it? That is the intro you were born to give to this to this segment. So this segment, <laughs> no. So look, I, I'm not even going to go into the the stats here, mostly because I can't find the article, and you know, uh, I should have had it pulled up. But but folks can find it. It's it's by Matt Brooks on Nets Daily. But the gist is, at the beginning of February 1st, from from February 1st on until the season was canceled, Karis LeVert basically split his season into, from very good, from February 1st until the end of the season, which was what, early March? Mm-hmm. Uh, to, and then before February 1st, horrible. Um, and now his season stats are... Okay. Um, some of his advanced metrics are not that good. His PIE is pretty good. His PER is trending in the right direction, though not totally good overall. Um, since February 1st, he is ranked um, 
in the top 20 of all guards in, I think it's PIE. And I don't know because those other stats, the PER, the real plus minus do not allow you as far as I know to, to set a date range. No, no, they're cumulative. Uh, Yeah. So, so they require like huge amounts of information to, to, that's why they don't even release the RPM one, um, Tell like 20 games in or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, so basically the reason I wanted to talk about this is I think that it it sets up a, a, to me, a very interesting quandary, which is one, Karis LeVert always gets hurt. Two, Karis LeVert always takes a long time to heal. And three, he can still be good. I think like I would I would want February 1st to to early March Karras um, on a team. I think he would be valuable. But the question is, does another team or do we do the Nets want Karras Levert when you look at one of the things that Matt Brooks points out and we've talked about is his usage rate is through the roof. He shoots 18 shots in this February 1st onward period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's it's like he's not going to get that um, with Kyrie and KD on the team. So what does that look like? And I think if, if you're if you're thinking, OK, build up that trade value. I don't care about Karis LeVert. I see him as an asset to lure a Bradley Beal or something. Um I wonder if he has a bit of a um, kind of a D'Angelo problem where you he's good if you give him a ton of usage, but he's not that good. And you don't probably don't want like a a team that has Karis Levert at 30 percent usage is probably not a super good team. Um, And. Uh, so it, it's kind of funny that like those two, those two players that have split Nets nation in half kind of have that same issue. Um, and, uh, to be sure, Karis Levert has a host of other issues, but it's just interesting to me. It's also interesting. They brought up Matt Brooks pointed out that his defense gets way better when he plays well offensively. Hmm. So he actually from February 1st has the lowest field goal percentage, um, opponent's field goal percentage of 42%. But prior to that, it was the highest. It was the worst of any player on the team. Um, Like at 50 something percent. I wish I had it up, but folks can look it up. Um, So that, so, so his defense directly correlates to him playing better offensively, at least this year. Um, So that's super interesting as well to me. I I don't know. What are, what are your latest thoughts on Karras? I kind of just wanted to check in. Uh, Right. Well, like I said, it is something that we are obligated to do every every couple months <laughs> is to um, unlearn all that we had learned up to that point about Karis and to once again convince ourselves that we were in possession. Not pos- possession is a horrible word to use, but we had on our team a a superstar that had gone under the radar of other teams. Um, I am not a, a Karis believer. I, I, I'm fully off the Karis train and I don't think barring like, uh, 
irrefutable evidence of him, say, being healthy for an entire season and being spectacular in the playoffs that I'm I'm ever going to get on board with it. I think that a lot of the, the knocks against him that you just mentioned are real. I think that the, the biggest problem for me is, one, the usage rate, and two, the fact that he can't shoot. Well, so on the shooting front, I I I, I just want to mention. I know you're skeptical of this, but on the, on the shooting front, he he is um, shooting decently from three now. Um, yeah, even but, on the season. Right. I just think that like his true shooting percentage. When I did that thing a couple weeks ago, where we look, I looked at his true shooting versus. Every other high usage player, his was like four percent worse than the next worst shooter on that list, who was Russell Westbrook. Um, so I think that you know that has changed. Obviously, he's been better over the last few weeks, but there's just been nothing over the four years he's been on the Nets that has suggested to me that like he can go uh, that he can do more than go on a hot shooting streak. Like I don't, I think fundamentally he is not a strong shooter and he's not a good enough finisher. Um, to be able to really capitalize on his speed and athleticism and height and ability to get to the basket. So I don't know. I think that I think that if there are, because I know for years the thing was uh, the player that they're getting all the calls about is Karis LeVert, right? There are front offices across the league who want this guy. If that is still at all the case, I would strongly encourage them to listen to these offers. I think that that it's just not the right fit for these two other high usage guys. Like we need someone who is is better off ball, perhaps better defensively, someone perhaps who's not tied to their defense isn't somehow correlated to how well they're doing offensively because they're they're definitely going to be the third at best um offensive threat on this team mm-hmm. so yeah that's sort of where i'm at with karis Levert. i don't i don't see i don't foresee him being good enough and fitting well enough to be a a serious third option okay uh yeah i mean i i I still have hopes that if if um, I my hope is you can figure out a way to keep him and have him and and and, and to your point about like whether people are still calling about him I kind of doubt people are still calling about him me too um, so I think his value may be best at, on, on this team and you might be better calling, uh, trading a Spencer Dinwiddie, a Jared Allen, a Joe Harris. Um, and where I sort of see the potential for Karras is as lead as, as the lead off the bench mm-hmm. and playing a bit with one of those, of those two, right. Getting minutes with the Kevin Durant or getting minutes with, uh, Kyrie. But, you know, I, I think it is really important to point out, like he was the lead, lead player off the bench for a while this year. Um, and that was when he was struggling. Um, he really took off once he was in the, in the starting lineup. So there's not a great, um, track record of that working. I, it's just sort of what I hope for. And on the, on the, on the other hand, I'm sure the Spencer heads out there are screaming. There is a track record of Spencer 
being good off the bench. Right. Uh, yeah, like who do you have more faith in being R. Lou Williams, Spencer, who has done it, um, or Karis LeVert, who is conceptually maybe that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I just love, uh, yeah, it, it's all feel for me with, with Karis at this point and, and a bit of, you know, encouragement from February 1st numbers. But I just, you know, I love watching that guy play. He's been the only bright spot of this season for me uh, so far. Uh, all right, um, Simon, you are what I like to call a cap space nut. Yes. <laughs> so Absolutely. one of the uh, myriad <laughs> economic impacts that the coronavirus has had it, it is what will happen to the NBA salary cap. Yeah. Um, so before the season, uh, there was a bunch of fallout over Daryl Morey's comments about China, which people projected would impact the salary cap and make it about $115 million for next mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with the still unknown ramifications of the global pandemic that we're living through, um, people are predicting that that $115 million is going to be shrunk even more than that. Oh, uh, yeah. John Hollinger predicted it would be about $8 million less than that. And others believe that it could be more something more like fifteen million less. Right, right. So a lot of people are, are projecting it to be something like a hundred million dollars next year. Right. Um, that for the Nets puts us in a tricky situation because uh, Kyrie will be making thirty-three million, and KD is uh, has a cap hold of forty million. So combined, they're at $73 million. You throw on a worthless DeAndre Jordan contract on top of that, and you're already at $83 million um, with three guys, leaving you $17 million in cap space. And that's not counting any of the other guys we already have on the books. Um, Simon, where, what are you thinking about as the looming um diminished cap space sort of looms over as as a specter haunting the NBA right now. Right. So thank you for for bringing this up setting it up beautifully. A uh, couple of things I wanted to mention um uh related to this but before we even start speculating is one I don't know and I I was getting conflicting things from both the Winhurst podcast like unclear to me from the Winhurst podcast and from another podcast and an article I read that I sent you on this, it's not clear to me if people who have, for example, max deals, right? If you have a max deal, I am not sure if that money, no matter no matter what, is guaranteed, mm-hmm. or if it, if uh, under these sort of catastrophic type events, um, that money lowers because it is meant to be a percentage of the salary cap. So it's meant to be whatever, 25% of the salary cap, 30% of the salary Mm. cap. And thus, if that salary cap goes down, do the contracts go down? I don't actually know that, but just something to think about, um, when, uh, when think, you know, conceptualizing all this stuff, that would be good to know. I don't actually know, but the, the I, second uh, I am under the impression that the con- that one when the contract is signed, 
mm-hmm. it's that percentage of whatever the cap is at that time. And then if it changes later, it doesn't readjust to that. So like KD will still have a 40 million cap hold next year. And it won't but, like go. It won't be a. If we have fifteen percent less cap room, he won't be making fifteen percent less than forty million. Okay, but then so I don't would, think he'll be making thirty-four million, right? Which would be fifteen percent less than. That. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. But that that, uh, that could be wrong, and I yeah, I think it is important to say we neither of us know that definitively. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, as I alluded to in my intro, um, it seems very likely. From everything I've I've looked at here, that there will be uh, probably be some kind of cap smoothing, um, wherein instead of um, what William just described in the intro, um, where in one year you just eat all of the losses in one year, you reflect that in the cap. Every team's uh, cap massively shrinks in that one year, and then you just. Um, go on as normal um, in the following years. Instead of that, you kind of spread the pain um, through the course of several years. So you say, okay, next year, let's say it goes down 5 million. Then the next year it goes down 5 million. And then, you know, slowly you kind of, um, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it, it doesn't hit you as one big, um, sort of uh, anvil. Um, it's a a series of uh, hits to the head by a hammer. Right, uh, right. Over the course it's of several years, it's a slow death by poi- like like trace amounts of cyanide over a long period of time. Exactly, and I I suspect that it just sounds like that's probably what both the players and um, the owners will want because um, players. You know, I think the players union will be wary of a situation like you're describing where like there's no money next year, mm-hmm. no money for any free agent. Um, and teams will hate that like that, you know, like the the nuggets will be completely fucked, for example, there and the, the the rockets will just be completely crushed mm-hmm. by a salary cap that goes down by 15 million in one year. Um, so I think. You know, obviously, it remains to be seen, but um, it—it just—it's to me, it's very interesting because it could—it could open up all sorts of things that are both bad and good. Like it could mean somebody like uh, Jeremy Grant, who I've long lusted after, could <laughs> could be had by a team for like a second round pick because Denver is so desperate to get off of his contract that he's probably going to opt into. Uh, um, for like $11 million. Um, so if there is a team that can stomach that contract, like you could, you could get him for, for nothing. You might even, he, Denver might even give you a second round pick if you take his contract. Um, and that's just one sort of permutation of all this. So it's very interesting to me. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And I think, um, you know, obviously we'll know more soon, about what the actual salary cap will be when things like free agency are actually going to happen because presumably they're not going to you're not going to be able to start when you would have had the season carried on normally um so yeah i think it's i think it's really it's going to be an extremely important thing for people to consider when looking at like at 
team building going forward because um, what are teams with a huge amount of money on the books already for next season? I would imagine ours is probably already over 115 um, or pretty damn near it um, mm-hmm. when you take like Karis and Torian and Dinwiddie's um, contracts into account. Yeah. So yeah, and and, yeah, and like what what is the uh, yeah. yeah right like what sort of flexibility do you have? What will the league do to sort of not uh, you know like what will what will owners' reaction be to essentially all of them being in the luxury tax? What will players like Anthony Davis, who is set to sign a contract next year, um, how will he cope with the idea of making twenty percent less because the salary cap is so much less, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, yeah, there are tons of implications, tons of, you know, things that we don't know what will happen. But clearly something something major um, is going to change in the way that um, teams can pay players. Right. All right. Uh, let's go f- to our mailbag for the week first, Simon. Okay. And then we will get to our theme. Um, though... Do you mind if we just pause very quickly? I, I need to run to the restroom. Uh, sure. Sorry, I have to pee really badly for some reason. Okay, I just had a giant cup of tea, sorry. Okay. Back, folks. Um, all right, sorry for the pause. Let's get to the mailbag. We got a question from... At sets on Twitter, he says, "As it's a three-parter, Simon. You've mm-hmm. seen this, right? Yes. Okay. As bad as the situation is, has there ever been a better time to finish a season to test out some serious rule tweaks? Parentheses, Elam ending, rest of all games, please and thank you. So that's part one. Rule tweaks. Part two. Compare your favorite net to a band." And part three, where is Kenny being quarantined and what album is he listening to on repeat? Thank you for the questions at sets. Simon, let's go. Okay. Um, for rule tweaks, I really don't have I don't I don't have the kind of mind, William, that uh, really uh, wraps my head around sort of new innovative things. Uh, ideas. But one thing that I always remembered uh, loving as a small kid um, was, do you ever watch Rock Jock uh, Basketball? The the NB, the sorry, the MTV, like celebrity and NBA player uh, basketball game? No. Well, they had, <laughs> well, you're in for a treat because <laughs> Uh, roughly 25 years ago when that existed, um, there was a component of those games where you could shoot from, I don't know, very far away for like 50 points. Oh, nice. So perhaps some kind of extremely high point value, um, shot from like three quarters court or something like that. Um, well, I think... Uh, unfortunately, I think I think I think the league is due for all sorts of of rule tweaks um, 
in the future, I don't think that they will do that much in-game rule tweaking. I think mm. it's more going to be scheduling tweaking. So, like, mm. I, th- I'm, I, I really like the idea of 7 through 15 in each conference playing for the last two playoff spots in, like, a play-in tournament. So you have the eight-team tournament, and the whoever gets to the finals of that will get the 7 and 8 seed. I like... I like that. That sounds fun. Obviously, I'd love the Elam ending. I think the thing, the idea, um, one of the ideas that I've heard about a big rule change that I think I liked the most, and it's a Kurt Goldsberry idea uh, that I think I've mentioned to you, is uh, home teams being allowed to determine where the three-point line is in their arena. So Ah, similar to, like, baseball fields having different, you know, the – the green giant, whatever that wall is, and a uh, green monster, green monster, right, right, right. Um, so yeah, you know, a team could do away with it completely. They could put it if you've got like Steph Curry, like forty feet out or something like that. Um, I think that would be a really interesting tweak, um, and would also make home games obviously uh, a bigger advantage for the home team. Right. Um, second part, favorite net. Compare them to a band. Do you want to go first, Simon? Sure. So I actually uh, – I, ha- I have two here. I, ha- I have the one that directly answers uh, Seth's question, which is Karis LeVert as Strung Out. Ooh. Uh, the band Strung Out. Um, folks will likely not know Strung Out, um, and that's kind of the point. Uh, <laughs> to me, Strung Out – Uh, at least when I was a teen and early twenties was one of the greatest bands, you know, on earth, but (laughs) they actually are not all that famous, you know, more famous than probably 90% of bands out there, but 95% of bands, but in the grand scheme of things, not very well known. So I, I, I just feel like Karis Levert has this, I, yeah, like we, we've talked about a million times, this, this sort of like, to me, a captivating energy about him that, that when I watch him, even when he's missing, even when he's having a bad game, it seems like he's a, he's a player on the precipice of, of greatness. Um, so that's how I feel about uh, Right. The great strung out. Right, the great strung out. Never quite able to make the jump into Blink One Eighty Two territory or something like that. Exactly. Um, so my favorite net at this point in the season is Wilson Chandler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I like his politics. You mentioned that he was mocking um, Joe Biden, so I assume he might be a Bernie bro. I like that about him. I like that he's into art. Um, I like that he flouts rules and regulations by taking performance-enhancing drugs, um, etc. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I like that he's just a really, um, really mediocre NBA player. Right. Um, I don't. I don't like a guy with too much, you know, talent. I like. A, I like a scrub. Can I give you my um, spin on this real quick? Sure. Real yeah. quick, which is. <laughs> yeah. Kyrie Irving as the lead singer of the Brian's Jonetown Massacre, Anton Newcomb. Oh, and very that good. Is, very good. That is because of the, what you've described uh, that guy as like someone who should have just died. <laughs> of a heroin overdose uh, like, so that everyone right, would call him a like genius. A, yeah. Ex- exactly. Would have been a rock, rock god and people would have, you know, given him endless amounts of praise instead he's you know i don't know like mid 40s 50 probably you know just uh, totally irrelevant right like, and just oh, insufferable to have to deal with 
Right, right. Um, similar with Kyrie, had he just like retired from basketball at the at the end of the uh, Cavs championship, like he would have been, you know, people would have said, you know, wow, what right. a, you know, he outplayed Steph Curry, hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history, like he's, you know, he's a legend. <laughs> it's too bad, you know, he had to whatever retire for whatever reason. But. Right, Kyrie as Anton is dead on, Simon. That's obviously <laughs> the you. best one. I feel like. I shouldn't even go on with my Wilson Chandler one, but I will since I bothered to go with something. I'm going to compare Wilson Chandler for the aforementioned reasons to 60s folk icon Donovan. Donovan, uh, really good. Was, oh, I'm sorry I cut you off from actually making the comparison. I yeah, apologize. So, yeah, yeah. What, this segment wasn't um, tell us why you like Wilson Chandler. <laughs> Though that does sound like a new segment for next week. Um, anyway, D- D- Donovan is sort of a, a second-rate <laughs> Bob Dylan. Uh, he was he was into politics, meditation, drugs. May, uh, d- probably not PEDs, but drugs generally. Right. Um, he kind of yeah. sucked. <laughs> Didn't really like him. Was sort of made fun of in Don't Look Back, the documentary of Bob Dylan. Right. Um, ah, it's just Wilson for me. My favorite net, Wilson Chandler. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, all right. Kenny in quarantine. Where is he and what's he listening to? I'll go first on this one. Um, feel free to cut me off at any point. Uh, <laughs> if you... I always do. <laughs> So Kenny has moved back to Long Island and is living with his oldest brother. Uh, his oldest brother being the probably the person in this world who has bullied him the most mercilessly since he was a small child up to this point. Okay. But Kenny feels he, belie- he he deserves that now. So has moved back in more bullying, more taunting, more etc. Um, and he is currently listening to, on repeat, Joy Division's Closer, their final album issued two months after Ian Curtis committed suicide. I love you, Kenny. Don't do it. We all <laughs> want you around. I can't wait to see what team you go to next year. You are a wonderful sideline presence, uh, a great interviewee, and a, a man I miss very much. But that's where I think he is right now. Yeah. Um, so I think Kenny is uh, <laughs> listening to uh, Baby Comeback and thinking it about the 2018-2019 Nets team, yes. which uh, he said publicly was like basically his dream team. Like he wishes he could just have, you know, just just bring everybody back right. and, and and run that again. Um, and you can see why, because he was immediately fired with, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. We are going real long this time. So let's get to our themed segment and then I have a couple segments. We'll see if we have time for them. Uh, theme, Simon, somebody bail me out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you have one interpretation of this. What, what do you, what are you, what are you thinking for this? So my idea is, uh, a- 
as folks will know, there was just a, an enormous um, six trillion or so dollar uh, bailout passed um, by our great Congress. Uh, well, titularly all- two trillion, but yes, in real, e- yeah, right, in real uh, terms, something closer to e- six. E- Right. The ability to leverage that $500 billion slush fund into around um, uh, $5 trillion. Um, uh, and the thinking uh, amongst some, some folks, some do- doomsdayers who um, I tend to believe, uh, is that uh, – this is going to result in a wave of consolidation uh, in an economy already heavily, heavily consolidated um, that will radically transform the economy into just a few um, big economic players. Um, so the idea here is riffing off of that fun uh, eventuality. Uh, what small and medium-sized business nets will get swallowed up and hostily taken over by the um, big corporate interests. Uh, and here I'm thinking Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. You could throw Sean Marks in there if you want. Joe Psy, the, the big hitters, the ones with the uh, the, the most resources um, to, to go after these guys and pick them off, i.e. have them traded, have them sidelined, have them benched, etc. All right. Well, why don't you flesh out your bailout vision for the Nets? My bailout vision, William, get ready for it. Jared Allen, out. Oh, uh, yeah. I think he's the most likely to be to be traded. Um. Karis Levert, I'm going to tentatively say out, uh, traded, uh, doesn't, you know, play well with others as we've, we've talked about necessarily needs, needs the ball a lot out. Um, I'm going to say also that, um, I'm going to actually say it. I just, I wish we could trade Torian Prince. Torian Prince is such a toxic asset that I'm not even sure. He he merits being uh, 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 hostily acquired. Okay. Um, so he might still be sticking around. And I do think they'll probably keep one of the two, Spencer or Karras, and I suspect they'll, they'll keep Spencer. So I think – but I do think he will be sidelined. I do think that he will have to eat, you know, a very far back in the line at, at third. What do you, do you think uh... – Joe Harris gets bought up by. Um, oh, that's a good question. I, you know what, actually, an asset-hungry Fed. <laughs> can I tell you something, William? Unless we are getting a big, big um, upgrade, I actually think Joe Harris will be back. I think Joe Harris is probably the most likely, even more likely than Spencer to be back. Unless, again, it's we throw all the marbles in um, in an effort to acquire a, a big star. Okay, I think those I would I I think all of those are predictions that I would mostly agree with. So I think we're we're seeing this bailout the exact same way, Simon. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um I'm going to just quickly do my net of choice that I'm spending. So the idea is we're all getting $1200. Mhm. Right? Yeah. Um, 
And sure, maybe it's not technically enough to pay one month's rent in New York, but it will definitely last you the next three months. Okay, we just had a system overload. Okay, so it's going to last you three months, barring um, you deciding to take out a net of your choice and do have one wild, magical evening with said net. Right? Right. Um, okay, so, Simon, you know which net I'm picking? Who? Chris. ch 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 chioza Interesting. Uh, I think he's one of the few nets who you can go out with. Uh, well, one, he's one of the few nets who don't make me sad right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for that, I'd like to take him out and treat him to a nice evening. Or a nice day. I'm doing a full day. Uh, but also, if you go out with Chris Chioza, I'm pretty confident no one is going to be staring at you like you're hanging out with a celeb or a potential basketball player. It'll just be like another guy that you're going out with. Yes, um, definitely. So I like I like the anonymity of the whole thing. So I'm going to go through this so quickly. This is stupid, but I'm just going to do it. All right, Simon, we're starting our day in that Bushwick bakery you and I went to recently that serves green chili. Oh, great. Yeah, we're getting a pair of breakfast burritos, a couple teas, maybe coffee. I'm saying that's 25 bucks right there. Okay. 30 bucks. Then we're going to hit birdies. We're going to start with beer and shot. We're going to move on to frozen whiskey sours. Say we do four rounds there, $80. We're just over $100. <laughs> we got 1100 bucks to spend, and okay. we're already approximately four rounds deep. Okay. Uh, we need to walk off some of the booze, so we walk to the levee, grab a couple veggie Frito pies, and since we walked off so much of the booze, get another beer and shot and play a game of pool. We're at $25. At this point, Simon, we're taking the ferry to Brooklyn Heights, and we're walking from Brooklyn Heights down to a one Michelin star Thai restaurant called Ugly Baby on Ooh, Smith Street. Wow. Uh, we're going to go nuts. It's pretty affordable. We're going to order a little something of everything, spend maybe 200 bucks. We've still got about 800 bucks we're working with right now, Simon. So we need to start really spending... I take him over to Other Half Brewery, two blocks away from Ugly Baby. We go, it's a jip job. I don't know if you've been. It's about $9 for a beer. So we get a couple of those and then <laughs> some to-goes so we can walk, talk, and have some nice beers as we walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hit up Sonny's and Ice House in Red Hook. Okay. Drop another couple hundred. At this point, we are just ungodly drunk. And we have hundreds of dollars to spend. Uh-huh. Let's say we've still got about 700 bills going at this point. Six to $700. Okay. At this point, we're pretty good on booze, okay? So we're going to spend the rest of our, let's say $600. We're going to get an Uber XL. We're coming to pick up you, Claire, and Hillary. Because Chris Chioza and I, as much as we do have to talk about, would like an injection of other people. We pick you up, and we take you to Queens to go to Neptune Diner 1. One. Where we are each tasked, because there are five of us, with spending $120 a piece on different diner items at Neptune Diner 1. 
That sounds great. Sound like a good good day with Chris Chiosa? <laughs> Do you know what you and Chris would talk about? Um, yeah, I do. But I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that for another cast. Okay, sure, sure. Is, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it's your it's your uh, date. Um, so my date is going to be with Karis Levert. Yeah, it might be as we just touched on his send off um, from the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Um. We are going to go to, you know, I, I miss many things in this quarantine uh, world, but um, one of the things I was realizing recently that I really miss is Beacon, New York, oh, the crown lovely. jewel of the Hudson Valley, in my opinion. Uh, so we are going to take the Metro North um, to, which I imagine, let's At just no say small that's cost, like yeah. $40 each or so yeah. uh, to Beacon. Um, and, uh, we're going to stay at the roundhouse. We'll each have our own rooms. Of course, I'm sure nice, Karis nice, doesn't nice. want to share with me. Um, and, uh, I don't think he has the appetite for friends that I do. Uh, <laughs> so we'll stay there. I'm looking at their, um, I have to say somewhat optimistic calendar here. Uh, it looks like. For a weekend trip, which, you know, I think it's a weekend trip to be sure, it's $349. So that's $700 um, of our tw- of my 1200 already gone. Nice. You Why found, you found is- way better ways of spending money than just going to dive bar after dive bar. Well, it's not as many stops is the only, you know, problem. You've, you've, you, I packed you in a full it. day. Yeah, you can really you can really paint the town with twelve hundred at, at dive bars. Yeah. Um so that's already a huge chunk of the money gone. Um with the rest of it, I would love to go to Dogwood, which have you ever been to Dogwood? No. It's it's in Beacon, it's a restaurant. Uh my favorite restaurant in Beacon. Uh <laughs> other than actually homespun foods where they have a truly right, incredible right. Your second you're gonna best. take them to your second favorite yeah, restaurant for dinner, Beacon. For dinner, for dinner. <laughs> Well, I here's why the thing. not I, take him to your favorite? Well, because it's more of a lunch spot. I yeah. mean, I guess we could get lunch. I'll have the tuna. Yes, homespun foods. I I love their tuna sandwich. Incredible. Uh, it has like white beans, pesto, um, tuna capers. Unbelievable. Um, so uh, olives. Uh, the rest of this episode is just going to be describing the sandwich. Describing um, what is in the tuna fish. <laughs> at Simon's second favorite restaurant in Beacon. No, that's my oh, first. Oh, your first favorite restaurant. Jesus. In Dogwood, my second. Yes. <laughs> I'll have the, the burger. Um, what really are you, what are you bur- getting on it? Um, I will tell you. In one second, um, I'm going to tell you, I know we're running long. No, it's all good. We don't have to be on that call for 24 minutes, so we got all the time in the world. We're doing a call after this, listeners, to uh, some of our old oldie friends back back uh, where we come from. Yeah, yeah. So it comes with... Uh, it's local beef from Kilcoin Farms with caramelized onion, tomato, and mixed greens. Um, 
So that should pretty much cover us. We also got to take the Metro North back. So that's basically 1,200. Wow. Yeah. Um, sounds like, a, a honestly, a weekend neither of you will soon forget. <laughs> it's, it is, I got to tell you, it's unbelievably similar to the, it's basically a shot-for-shot shot remake of a date, uh, a date weekend Hillary and I went on. So right, right, right. That could raise some questions there. That's okay. Uh, you got separate rooms. Right, exactly, exactly. Um. Okay, Simon, there are two more segments that I don't think well, we'll do the one final one. What's what's the best what's the best meal you've had this week? To talk get you talking more about food. Oh, um that is a good question. You know, um Hillary just made this very good uh tofu scramble. Uh um with tofu and mushrooms and onions and she roasted potatoes. Uh, I, there are spices that turmeric. Um, it was just spectacular with a with a slice of toast slathered, and I do mean slathered. You know, <laughs> slathered, um, which was great. Uh, yeah, no, sounds great. Uh, any interest? You? Oh, thanks. Never thought you'd ask. Um, hey, I mostly just cut you off. Right. So. Mostly, this is just your time to uh, rip Kyrie. <laughs> Um, for, for charitable giving. For charitable giving, because it wasn't to the the exact charitable giving place you would have preferred. Uh, so, uh oh, ambulance going by. Yeah, um, sign of the times. Yeah. So mine. Oh, Claire. Last Monday, I told you a little bit about it. Made a lasagna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was with uh, with with a. a, a Bolognese sauce. She made a bechamel cream sauce to go in it, which was extraordinary. Lots of mozzarella. We had it three three nights uh, in a row. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. That's a Monday, win the Tuesday, Wednesday uh, meal for us there. That's great. Yeah, that's good eating. Um, okay, well, I think it prob we have we have definitely passed the hour mark. Mm-hmm. Blown past. Blown past. Flown past. Blown past. Uh, we got 20 minutes, so we talked to a bunch of people from Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, Simon, where might people reach out to us in these dark times for questions they might have about the nets, questions they might have about what's in the tuna you're thinking about getting, etc.? <laughs> reach out with all tuna questions to maybe next time at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook twitter instagram at maybe next time and please leave us your reviews wherever you get your podcasts we're there uh trust me um especially on on um apple Podcasts. give us those five stars please Please. All right. Well, it's been wonderful talking nets um, with you this week, Simon. I know there's not a lot going on, but um, if we just pretend like there is stuff going on and everything's normal, then maybe we don't have to confront the awful new reality we live in. Um, <laughs> anyway, we will go ahead and see ya, see ya. Next, next time. time. I was tired of my lady. Together too long, like a worn out recording. 
Come on. 